folks, welcome to the Gridiron Crew podcast, an NFL podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. You are listening to and watching the review crew, and I am your host, Brian, the conscience of Cleveland Donlan. Now, remember, folks, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow. You can find us on X, on Insta, on well, I was about to say Facebook, as if it was like 2005. Um, be fair, I'm on Facebook. Uh, anyway, we're on X, we're on Insta, we're on uh, Threads, we're on YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts. So give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow, and get in touch. We'd love to hear from you guys. Now, it's unlucky week 11. Well, it's it's unlucky for three quarters of the AFC North, because of, three, of four teams, two of us have lost our quarterbacks, and one of us has to live with Kenny Pickett as your starter, so... Well, that's the same as have suffered a major injury. Um, so we are. <laughs> I just couldn't resist it. I know I did get Kenny Pickett straight off the back, guys. Uh, so yes, we are going to get started. And as always, I am joined by two of the finest crew members. Um, he is all things Grey Cup this week. Not only is he our resident salt and pepper Grey Fox, it is the man, the myth, the legend. Stu, how are you doing, mate? On some levels, I'm doing great. and some levels, I am doing not so well. Um, just to, We may as well get the Grey Cup chat out of the way right now. Yeah, have, your, have, your, can, have your Canadian moment. Just, okay, so just slight chat on it. What a fantastic game. I don't know what it is with the Grey Cup, but every single year, they seem to have like the most mental ending or the most exciting ending where you think, okay, game's done, nothing else can happen here. Um, so last night, it was uh, Montreal Alouettes playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Blue Bombers are in the conversation for being the next Canadian dynasties because they've made four or the last four makeup finals straight. They've won two of them and they've now lost two. They lost last year to the Toronto Argonauts, uh, who and then this year they lost to the Montreal Alouettes. Now, right at the end um, of this game, it, kind of basically the Alouettes had the ball they ended up third and five, which in the CFL means normally you're completely hooked because it's it's a three down game. So if you're going into your third, if you're not third and short, you're definitely going to punt it away. There was still a bit of time in the clock, so they thought, well, Montreal's probably going to punt this here, um, and then you know that should be it. They'll, they might get another chance, but Winnipeg are so good, the game will be over. Did they do that? Did they buggery? They decided to just go for it anyway, and they ended yes. up thirty yard bomb downfield. Uh, we also saw like one-handed catches to keep drives alive. Again. Ah, less of that. That's coming up later. I've got, uh, I've got okay, that written in. That I've got that written into the script. Never especially for you, mate. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 We'll, we'll save that one. But anywho, like uh, the Alouettes, they, they were absolutely excellent. Full value for their win. I'm pleased to see them win because they haven't won in like 13 or 14 years. Like, uh, so it was nice for them to do that. The um, Green Day, they were the halftime show. They were absolutely excellent as well. So for once, Canada actually got somebody fairly decent because normally it's like some no-name country star from Saskatchewan that will play. No offence, Saskatchewan or country music fans, but normally it's it's not anybody that big or it will just be like some kind of Canadian legacy act who, let's face it, Canadian content is sometimes laughed at for a reason. Uh, but yeah, Green Day were absolutely brilliant. So yeah, they, that that game was brilliant. But um, for the downside of how I'm feeling, uh, we'll obviously get to that too. But it involves oh, we will wrist. Well, so for anybody that doesn't know, the Grey Cup is the the Canadian equivalent of the Super Bowl. 
So CFL equivalent of Super Bowl friendly that, that doesn't keep up with the CFL. And I do like that. I like that there's like that, that that big balls play. So you know what I mean? Again, if it's what third and third and five. Is it, yeah. it is a t- it's a ten yard game still, yeah? Yeah, ten yard game. So it's that's fourth and yard, fourth and five and going for a passing play. That's you know what I mean that, that, that takes some stones. Gotta got to appreciate it. Well, now this is to, to move on and to do my second introduction. I actually sat with a second introduction and I thought about it. And I thought about something to slag Gav off, Gav uh, off with. And normally, as a Giants fan, it is pretty much open season. And oh, the, array of, the array of ammunition I have at my disposal <laughs> is normally so plentiful, it's unbelievable. But ladies, ladies and gentlemen, like I, I, I clap a round of applause because Gav gets victory Monday. He is the founder of the number one member of the Tommy DeVito Scotland branch Appreciation <laughs> Society. Gav, welcome. How are you feeling? This must be a great day to be a GMN fan. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm uh, about 10 months into the future. I thought uh, Vic- Victory Monday was uh, <laughs> save until September 24. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's a, a, a pleasant surprise. I, I guess if we're going to be conventional fans and we're not going to talk about, uh, you know, tanking for anyone in particular, uh, then yeah, it's it's a, a good one. It, it's only the, the commanders, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it could be the uh, the last highlight of the season. Hey, 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 you say that. The comic, well, no, I, can't, I was about to say something nice about the commanders, then I remembered the phone seven. Still, you can only beat who's in front of you, mate. That's true. I want to be for we've got the Patriots next week as well, which, uh, yeah, that, that could oh, be that really scary. Scupper the, the draft order. <laughs> Hey Gav, uh, one thing I will say was if you do screw it up and you start winning games and you end up not being right near the top of the draft order, would you really want Caleb Williams? Because if you look at it on this past weekend, he lost. His season's over, that's him, he's done. Whereas DeVito, he's clearly the man in the moment in the future. <laughs> I know he's uh, yeah he's uh, absolutely rolling from the, the spare bedroom. <laughs> His mum and dad. Well, um, no, I do say that. Yeah, I think well, Gav, um, I was going to ask, did you celebrate with chicken cutlets? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't celebrate with chicken cutlets? <laughs> I know we did well. We did leg of lamb last night. It's uh, yeah, winning yeah. an offense. Oh, uh, where, was, where was that for wings and things? Leg of lamb. <laughs> no, um, I. I I guess the big thing with the draft is that the Giants, they're not sorted at QB, but they have so many needs. Uh, I I still think that if they're um, in a position to take a QB, they will take a QB, but I'm, I'm not naive enough to think, well, actually, um, you know, Tommy, Tommy was a hero last night, but he took, uh, he also took nine sacks in the process. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to have to do something to keep uh, our quarterbacks alive, whether it's the, the, the top draft pick or the third stringer. Well, so an interesting one. So, this is, and it's, I, I'm not going to go too, too into Mr. Williams, but there have been a lot of questions over the past couple. And we, this is this is the lovely cycle that we always get every year with top <laughs> QB draft picks. We have left the stage of the conversation where he is effectively Jesus. And we have entered the stage where he is now horribly flawed and basically has no future in any professional sport, let alone at quarterback. He's not making because we're getting lots of questions, but he's lost, he's losing, he's ducking out of these press responsibilities, 
He was jumping out of the crowd to have a cry with his mum. Um, that was an interesting one because that was getting very split opinions online over where, whether that was the end of the day. He's still a young man, a very young man. So can't really be judging him too harshly. But in a year's time, there's talk of him being the face of an NFL franchise that he wants part ownership of. We can't forget is one of his demands that any deal he gets is a rookie, he gets an ownership stake in the club. I, I, I don't know. Are we are we seeing so many flaws? Is this the next CJ Stroud in the making? Or have we found yet another Sam Darnold? Poor Sam I, Darnold. I thought you were going with John Mantle there. <laughs> no, no, we do not mention he who shall not be named. Like, it sounds a lot more like Johnny Football uh, when you're kind of describing him as having, like the, I guess, the character questions. But no, I... I think he's actually far too talented to end up as a Johnny Manziel and probably far too talented to end up as a Sam Darnold. So I still think wherever he lands, he's going to end up working. You know, I think he's going to be good. I don't know how much of this is noise that might be put on by his agent because it's that whole thing of like, even before you've signed a contract, you're manoeuvring to try and make yourself seem like Billy Big Boots to get more money in the long run or sponsorship deals. So, no, I I know I kind of joked there about DeVito and Williams, but I think surely the G-men, if you're sitting in that position and there isn't like a top O-line guy sitting there, you're probably yeah. going to take you're gonna take Williams. Well, you look right, so tell you what, I'll, I'll put this question he's both and we'll actually move on. Um, as it stands right now, and obviously it's only week 11, but as it stands right now, top five picks in the draft. Number one, Chicago Bears, Panthers pick. Number two, Arizona Cardinals. Three, Patriots. Four, Bears again. Five, G-Men. Where does Caleb Williams go? What do we think? Because Justin Fields is having a, a little bit of a renaissance. Yeah, Justin I mean, Fields is looking like he might actually be functional. Is he functional enough that the Bears pass up on him at one? And then do the Cards try and move on from money? Does, oh, does, he, does he fall to New fall. England? I think. <laughs> I've got back and forth this. I, I, I think it's going to be the, uh, the the secret option in the box. I, I um, If the, the, the draft order stays as it is, I, I smell a trade. No, right. Come on, right. I'm, I'm going to say, because this is where he falls to five. This is in my head he falls to five. Because the Bears aren't going to take him. Justin Fields is looking good again. The cards, there's enough complications with money. I could actually see them sticking in. Money's been looking decent. He's always played two games, but he's looked okay. Three, Bill's going Bill's to select some lineman from a Division Four school just to fake with everybody. Um... Then the G Men are going to be uh, the the Bears are going to be up again. They're still if they didn't take him at one, they're not going to take him at four. And the G Men are there. Bye, Caleb Williams. I I, I just think uh, the the, uh, the Bears could end up looking really good when they get a, another uh, crop of multiple firsts yes. uh, <laughs> out of someone. I I completely agree with you. I think they could very well stick with Justin Fields. Um, but I think that pick's getting traded. Um, probably the Panthers pick because I think the the Bears themselves, I think, have probably got a few wins left yeah. in the season. Yeah, Gav, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I think um, my personal feeling is the Bears, if they get that first or second pick, that's getting traded out. They'll keep their own one, and then they're going to try and get like 
you know, a later pick in the first round and maybe another one the next year or like, you know, second and third round picks from someone. Like basically a package of picks. Or who do you who do you think trades in for it then? Who who's your, your hot your hot ticket to say here's here the air because let's not kid ourselves on. It's it's one oh one and it's uh I hate this what's, by the way. Atlanta, it's man? a generational talent yeah. at the most important position in the game. So it's what? not gonna be cheap. Mm-hmm. What what's the who, who pays for it? How many? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but what what's Atlanta got for for picks? Because Desmond Ridder has kind of flattered to deceive, I think. And I know he, I know they're back in my head, and he's back in as the starting quarterback. But you have to think that if they have the chance to like move up and get him, maybe they would do it. They're like kind of the first team that comes into my brain was Atlanta. Jets. The Jets, I actually can't remember what the Jets had to send. Well, the Jets wouldn't have had to send Green Bay much because Rodgers has missed so much time. That mm-hmm. trade didn't actually yeah. cost them a huge amount. And Jets, we still have Rodgers. I, I think the Jets keep Rodgers for next year anyway. Well, I think they keep him as well, but imagine yeah. keeping Rodgers for next year. Ben Wilson, because he's already been benched, so why not just Ben? Yeah. And then draft Williams. Yeah. Oh, mystery. <laughs> oh. I love draft speculation. It's great. What's, what's uh, the like, okay. was, uh, uh, was wrist injury is permanent, and uh, we'll just draft him. Hi, <laughs> I want the one with the wrists of steel. Um, right, okay, it's okay. We'll make you talk about that later. Uh, right, we're actually under that actual kickoff question. It's uh, <laughs> not just me shooting shit about draft picks. <laughs> so uh, this, I need to give a credit. This was Dan's idea, and I don't know why he didn't use it, but he didn't use it. Um, so I've shamelessly pilfered his uh, kickoff question. Rumours abound, and I've actually been calling this all season, but rumours abound that the one, the only, Bill Belichick is on the sugly peg in New England. Is he well? Or is, is he planning to jump before he's pushed? Who knows? The rumours are that he's going to be next year, he will be at the Chargers, and he will be taking the hot seat there as opposed to New England. So... With them picking up somebody who is considered by many to be the greatest coach, or certainly one of the greatest coaches the game has ever seen, who would you pick if you could choose any coach, past or present, living or dead, to walk into the hot seat at your team? Who would you choose and why would you choose them? And I will vomit in my mouth as I say mine, but will come to me at the end. Because it just lets me build myself up here. Um, Gav, who would you take? Is you are you're replacing Dable uh, for reasons unknown? You're sick and tired of the the situation this year. You can choose anyone. Who are you after? Oh well, I'm I'm going to get creative here because I think um, okay, we're we're moving on from Dable, but the, the problem with the Giants hasn't really been the, the coach. So I'm going to take a, a coach that's a, a former player. Uh, as well, because I think that's where we really need the, the help. So, uh, player manager. there's a couple of options. Hey, Pat Mahomes. I, I, I'll Pat Mahomes is player manager. Yeah, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Art Shell. Um, you know, we're going to go with someone who's actually been a player coach. So this is, uh, uh, an, I think, an eight-time Pro Bowler uh, offensive tackle with the, the Raiders, but also uh, had multiple winning seasons. Uh, as a coach so uh yeah we're going to take that someone that's going to uh try and uh, save uh those endangered quarterbacks in uh in new york and uh, <laughs> try and improve the record at the same time i like that i like the idea that that kind of somebody that's a, that's a 
proven winner. I like that. That's, that's somebody that knows knows some success. Stu, what about you? You're, you're making the changes in Cincy. Who are you bringing in? Does it need to be a, a real life coach or can it be fiction? Bugger it, fiction. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I was going to bring you a parade but I will want to see where this is going. I'm going to take the head coach from Remember the Titans. <laughs> Amazing speeches. Like, uh, why have I forgot his name? I wish I'd written this down before I came on. Man. What, Denzel? Yeah, one of my, one of my favorite coaches. You know what, you can have it, but the catch is, it's actually Denzel. Good that would be. Think of, the, <laughs> think of the marketing, think of the movies of the Bengals or whatever as well. It'd be so good. So, yeah, that's my choice. I'm going to yeah, forget, remember the Titans, it's think of the Bengals. Consider, consider Cincinnati. <laughs> Uh, right, okay. Does this mean I need to kind of be sick in my mouth a bit and admit what mine is? <laughs> yes, it does. It's oh, it sucks so hard. There's only genuinely there's only one, and I bloody hate that I have so much respect for this coach, but I really do. It's got to be Tomlin. He just doesn't know how he lose. When you look at Cleveland, a team that for my entire time that I've okay. Stefanski's been doing that bad, to be fair. Uh, but for most of my time as a Cleveland fan, the, the issues we've had, they've been structural, they've been a team with no spine, they've been a team that just folds up. There's a reason that Brown's gonna brown, is a saying. Tomlin gets rid of all that. I genuinely think he does. There's so much you hear about Bill and the Patriot way. Like, I, I don't think enough is actually made of Mike Tomlin and the Raven way. Mike Tomlin. Sounds like a, sounds like a synth band. Hold on. Is, is Tomlin with the Steelers? Dave Tomlin is the Steelers. Guys, it's been a really long day. You're thinking of hardball. I'm thinking of hard. I'm not thinking, no, I'm not. I'm thinking of Tomlin. I'm just trying to not ever admit the Steelers do anything well. Um, yeah, no, sorry. The Steelers. <laughs> quite you right. hate that much. You're like, I'm going to I hate them. that much. I want them to. Do you know what I hate? <laughs> It's it, I, oh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. It still makes me sick. But yeah, no, if Tomlin was the coach of Cleveland, I, I genuinely do. I think they would have been as successful as the Steelers have been under his tenure. Maybe, maybe not. Um, a, whole bunch, a, whole bunch of, a whole bunch of like uh, nine and eight and uh, like nine and seven type years. Respectable, <laughs> respectable years. He's yes, never I'm... gone zero and 16, is he? Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I can dream. There's always next year. Steelers went zero and seventeen. That'd be amazing. Uh, right, okay. Um, oh, that makes me sick admitting I like anything about Pittsburgh. Yeah, I felt in my um, no, German general is like his favourite <laughs> wartime thing. It's like the uh, familiarity <laughs> in your position, like kind of breeds respect. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know that Rommel. He was awful, but he was you know he was ter- terrible Nazi. But he was good at commanding <laughs> tanks. It was, it was Gadarian. It was all about Gadarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go, folks. Uh, right, okay. Do you know what? Stuff it. I've said nice things about Pittsburgh. Now I'm going to stick your boot in. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the review of our games of the week. Now, I'm going to keep this brief um, because it wasn't a great game. Uh, but the mighty, mighty Cleveland Browns 
the currently second place in the AFC North, seven and three Cleveland Browns dominated, destroyed, defensively just squeaked past uh, Pittsburgh, 13-10. <laughs> Um, it was not a classic. Uh, as me and Stu were talking about this before we came on, um, this was it wasn't even one where you always, you know, two defenses battling it out. It's like a chess match. No, it was two very good defenses, to be fair, but two utterly inept offenses. Uh, <laughs> and it was more a case of who's going to make more mistakes first. Um, but it does go to show some of the serious points that I will take for the game. You look at the Steelers, and as much as I love slagging off Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett was a first-round draft pick. He is somebody that is third season? Second season, third season. Second, I think, please. Second season. Second full season in the league. So he's got he's got some time under his belt. He's had time with the coaches, time with the players, all the rest of it. And he went for, as I find it here, 15 uh, completions for 28 attempts. 106 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, but no touchdowns. And you compare that to DTR, a fifth-round rookie, his second-ever start, his first start, he was flattened to the size of a small can. And he went 24 and 43, so his completing percentage wasn't great. 165 yards, he chucked a pick, but he didn't bottle it late in the game. He led us on a drive, put us in field goal range, and he did it by chucking it. It wasn't, yeah, we had, no, that last drive, actually, we didn't have any big runs. We'd leaned, leaned on the run game heavy at the start of the start of the game. First half, it was all about Jerome Ford. Um, put up some great numbers. Uh, Hunt, Hunt was wildly inefficient, actually. Um, then on the other side, yep, Jalen Warren, he had an incredible game. He looks like an absolute player. Um, what, nine carries for 129 yards. Who's averaging more than thirteen yards a carry? Yeah, he had some. He had some big busts. Uh, nah, yeah, yeah, he, he, he did. He ripped off a seventy-five <laughs> yard. Especially <laughs> ripped off a seventy-five yard touchdown, which was straight through the middle. It was absolutely unbelievable how it was like partner the Red Sea. Um, but when it was on the line, when it really, really mattered, and that is something that when I talk about Tomlin and when I talk about the Steelers and blah blah blah. That's the type of game that Cleveland normally Browns. That's the type of game right at the end. You've got the you've got like a twenty-five yard chip shot, and somehow we accumulate like thirty yards in penalties. Is is normally what would happen there, but we didn't. And Hopkins continues to be solid. Continues to show that he's a kicker that's actually decent. Now, to be fair, the final field goal wasn't that far. It was forty odd yards or something like that. Um, but we won against Pittsburgh when it mattered for something. Just like we beat them in the playoffs. I'm just enjoying that one memory for a minute of seeing Big, Big Ben sad on the sideline when we retired them. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was a wonderful day. It is a wonderful day to be a Cleveland fan. This makes me happy. Uh, it's got massive implications for the North, is the big thing. Now, we've said in Stur. You are in a bad boat where but will go bye-bye and you are the same as us when you are on... You know, we can actually share the pain. We both have been calling out for our teams to get more effective presences in. 
the quarterback room. I think maybe the way to see it. We've yeah. the, the Browns have picked up Joe Flacco, so we'll put that veteran presence in. I don't really see Flacco getting a lot of playing time. I think Flacco has been brought in to be a bit of an old head. Who knows? It might change. But we were running with DTR and PJ Walker, and we had both Joshua Dobbs and Jacoby Brissett on the roster during the offseason. Bengals, you've been calling out for it all offseason, Stu, that he's needed something else behind Joe Burrow in that quarterback yeah. room. Because the inevitable happened and Burrow's hurt again, as is Watson, and we are now both stringing it together with pieces at quarterback. So, yeah. massive implications for the division where Cleveland win, particularly now the Bengals. It doesn't look great. Um, it's interesting. What the, so, what were, what were your guys' takes for this game? Did you catch much of it? I say it was not a classic. I ain't going to pretend it was, but it was an interesting match. Yeah, my what, big, what did we take for it? Say my takeaway was kind of like you have uh I mean we've been saying this all year as well. Your defense is completely legit. It could be elite. You have an elite defense, yeah. I'll go as far as saying that. Miles Garrett is a machine. We've spoke about him at great length, so don't need to go into too much details. Uh he worked great again. You did have an injury though, did you not? That was one of the things that I kind of picked uh, up on. We picked up a couple of knocks. There was, I'm going to go back and check, but I don't think there was any major actual injuries. Yeah, apart from that, it was like you just kind of trucked along. And I mean, it's kind of tough sledding against the Steelers' defence. So you're not going to be facing the Steelers' defence every week. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you're looking at your run-in, because I actually had that written down. You're at the Texans. So we'll get to talking about the Texans in a bit, but that's clearly a big game. At the Chargers, their defence isn't they do have a good offence. So at the Lions, again the defence, some question marks there. The Pats, not great. Chargers again, and then at Raiders. Now the Raiders, like, as much as I know they lost at the weekend, they're the one that kind of worries me for you. Oh wait, hold on. Have I been reading this in, I've been reading this the wrong way around? That's the Broncos schedule. Because you yeah. play us. Again. I was gonna say we're not playing the Raiders. I'm Ignore everything I said. I've just been reading it. The Broncos is the BR. Right. So to, to, to help Stu out a wee bit, to help Stu out a wee bit. Play the Broncos next week. That's that's where it all went yeah. wrong. So the the Browns run in, and you can chip in on it, right? So I'll give you the run in. So the Browns yeah. run in is at Denver, at Rams, uh, Jags need to come to Cleveland. So do the Bears at Texans. Jets come to Cleveland, and then we round off at Cincy. So that's um, not a murderer's row. Um, can I? Th- so it's like that's pretty doable, even with, uh, you know, a rookie quarterback. It's that you, I think your defense should be able to eat some of those offenses, uh, including. I, I'm sorry to say, uh, to the other Bengals fans here, because um, not that I want to crap on Browning too much. I just don't know if we are going to be able to kind of get over the line from where we are. So. By the time we're hitting that phase, we may, it's the last game of the season, we may as well phone it in and go for the draft pick. Hey, Gav. <laughs> from, I'll, I'll, I'll call it from that. From, from our running, I'm calling four wins. Broncos, I could see beating us. I think we beat the Rams. I think we lose to the Jags. We beat the Bears. We beat the Jets. Since it'll be the last game of the season, it'll entirely depend on where people are. Yeah, Texans. I'm utterly unwilling to make a decision. I have absolutely no idea what that game will be like because the Texans are an absolute mystery to me at the moment. Um, some shades of them, you watch them, you're like, yes, this is the Texans from last year. 
And then other people, no, no, CJ Stroud is utterly legit. Uh, <laughs> an absolute world beater. Um, so I mean, I'm utterly not the call. But yeah, I, I see some wins in that, even with DTR at the helm. Um, Gav, what about you? Do you have any big, any big thoughts when you, you look at the, the Browns-Steelers battle of the North? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, both teams are kind of dealing with the, the, the limitations, but I think the records still speak for themselves. Um, I, I mean, we've kind of talked about it there, like the, especially with... Um, with your injury at the quarterback position, I guess both teams are, are kind of trading on on their defenses. Um, I, I suppose maybe one for the, the purists, but you know Cleveland keep finding a way to win. Uh, and I think when you look at that uh, running that we've just talked through, you know the, there's teams on there that you wouldn't say you you wouldn't think. God, I'm, I'm worried about those games, but there's a couple that you think, you know, Bears as a team, for example, that we keep seeing them. We'll talk about that in a second. You know, they probably do have a couple of surprise wins in them potentially, um, but uh, at the same time, there's, there's nobody I think you're actually thinking, God, you know, we we don't have a chance here, uh, even with uh, what's now. So, um, I, I mean, I, I think not wanting to jinx you, but I, I'd be feeling relatively confident. That you'll be uh, playing a few extra games in January. Yeah, the both guys, Kings in and all. On the Steelers side of the ball as well, though, like I know they lost that game, but again, we've spoke about it quite a bit in the review, uh, the preview crew. The Steelers' schedule for the rest of the year isn't really that bad either. I mean, that probably was a must-win in terms of getting ahead and making sure they had a good shot at second. But you could be one of these teams that you could see sneak in ten and seven. Possibly. Until, sorry, Stu. Uh, until the Burrow injury, I would have vehemently disagreed with you. But yeah. after the Burrow injury, I need to agree. Steelers run in for those, for, for those that, that want to do a wee, the wee comparison. At Cincinnati, uh, hosting Arizona, hosting the Patriots, at the Colts, hosting Cincinnati, at Seattle, at Baltimore. Really, honestly, right up until week 17 when they need to go to Seattle, that Mike Tomlin team could be aspiring to win those games. Um, if, if the Bengals had Burrow, it totally changes it. Because that's then you would peg that and say, Bengals should be taking them twice. Bengals should be going for the sweep. With Browning? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean, maybe you're going to sign a veteran. Um, right, going, going from two teams that are, as Gav put it, playing within their limitations... To a team that actually went and stepped outside of their limitations and then get brought wildly back into gym. Um, it's Bears at Lions. Uh, it was actually a really entertaining game, this one, unlike the Brown Steelers. Um, talk to me, Gav. Tell us about it, mate. Yeah, well, I, I guess it's a, a matter of perspective here because uh, on one hand, you'd probably say uh, the Lions are a hell of a scare uh, this weekend, and they did, but um, when, when it all came down to it, uh, it's one of these things, if you're a Detroit fan, and I'm sure there's a few of them out there, um, you've got to say that's a mark of champions. Um, you know, there's a team that's now <laughs> up to, uh, where are we, 8-2 and two, uh, for the, the Lions. And I've got to say, um, you know, Kev was meant to be with us in the, the pod tonight. Um, I think looking pretty good for the, the one seed uh, now at this stage. Um, <laughs> Well, there's a bold take for the day. That's so the look Eagles that, look are the eight and one get into tonight. They lose. It's I, joint with the Lions. 
all Gavs. He's the one seed going to Detroit. But uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about the playoff picture in a bit. But um, I think uh, you know this this wasn't the best state of the office for the Lions. I mean, Jared Goff had, had three uh, interceptions in the day, but uh, I mean they were trailing by twelve with uh, just over four minutes remaining in the game. But I think one thing that um, I, I guess that the Bears will really be kicking themselves with is um, they had three seventy-plus yard drives uh, for touchdowns that they gave up. Uh, and it's not just the fact that you let Detroit go the length of the field, but it's the speed with which they did it. I think uh, they'd won to, to close the close out the half. It was about a minute thirty, uh, and then obviously in the you know the final two minutes they had um, two two drives going the, the length of the field for for touchdowns. Um, obviously the, the go ahead score uh, in the end um, was a, a touchdown run. Uh, which you don't often see uh, in the, the closing minutes uh, from uh, Dave Montgomery. Um, but yeah, the, the Lions uh, really did have to, to work on this one. And um, I guess taking a moment to, to speak about the, the Bears, you know, we've, um, I think at points in the pod, we've given a, a kick in, but there is some real, um, real spirit in this mm-hmm. side. Obviously, Justin Fields is back uh, this week uh, and uh, dropped, a, dropped a dime to um, DJ Moore. Uh, in the third quarter, so you know some real bright points for this team. Um, but uh, obviously, you know you can talk about you know things that make the, the highlight real and, and who actually takes the win. And uh, as I think Detroit, that that's one that um, you know probably in previous years they would let get away from them, um, but they uh, they saw it through. And um, like I say, one seed, the, one the seed. NFC, the NFC goes through Detroit. This is I'm I'm loving this because see if it happens now, Gav, you get to dine out on it forever if you've called it because that's the like that is I don't think it's controversial, right? Lions playoffs or the rest of it potentially you know NFC Championship game. Don't think that would be seen as much that controversial. One seed, that's a bit controversial. Uh, right, you know there's two things that jumped out at me for this game, and I was looking over the stats and all the rest of it, and I'll give you some one at a time. Ah, uh, this, this was the biggest surprise we time of possession, right? Time of possession of this game. One of those stats that many people don't look at, but coaches look at. Coaches want to have the ball. You've got the ball, the other team can't score. Time of possession in this game. Bears, 40 minutes 24. Lions 19 minutes 36, and the Lions still come away with a win. Now, you add that to the Bears giving up uh, nearly 70 yards in penalties. Potentially bits of talent across the Bears roster. DJ Moore is an elite, well, he's, an, he's, a, he's a very good receiver. I don't know if I'd go as far as elite. Justin Fields, lots of question marks, but you know, I mean, he, he didn't have an amazing day as a passer. He chucked up 104 yards rushing. So you've got a huge talent there at QB you can potentially use. So is this basically just a really badly coached team? It's not, well, partly that and also I think some of it's experience as well because if you, you look at the the way, the way they've tried to build over the last few years, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's like they've brought in a lot of rookies, they've traded guys out, you know, they've got the veterans out of there. They've been bringing people in. Now they're changing it. 
just when you saw the trades that happened, kind of thing, like you know, they brought in uh, the guy from Washington, uh, Sweat, and yeah, on says. So they're they're starting to go. You know what? We are sort of on the verge of. We need to start getting better now, and they should be getting better. Um, now for the penalties, yeah, that's a mixture of sometimes if you're rushing and you're overexcited, and that kind of comes down to coaching. It's that you need to kind of get your players in the head zone where even if you are rushing and excited, you're not putting your hands in silly places. You're not overreaching. You're not overstretching. That's why that was happening, or that's what it looked like to me. It wasn't like being inherently, you know, overly dirty or anything. It was just brain farts due to excitement. I was kind of thing. So I mean, is that down to yeah, bits of its coaching. So I think to to answer your question, probably forty percent inexperienced, sixty percent coaching. Right. I'm going to give Gav the nice version then. So is this really then? Am I just being a miserable old git? And I've been called it before. Should that should I just trust the process? Oh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I kind of touched on it. You know, that was three quick strike drives. So um, I, I don't think it's so much about the the penalties, but I do think the um, you know, the, the time of possession thing that you um, you kind of touched on, it it, it kind of covers over that fact that is the uh, the Lions had three seventy plus yard drives that were all under two minutes for for touchdowns. When you can yeah. move the ball that quickly and come away with seven. Not not just field goals, then mm-hmm. you know that's that's going to do the damage. It's always tricky because, and it is the thing with the with the Bales is that much has been made about their moves on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they brought Tremaine Edmonds in, they've brought in Montez Sweat. These are the, the you know these aren't tickling around the sides moves. Yeah, these are big capital, you know, acquisitions, and as you say, you are giving up quick, hard strikes, and not to be demeaning to Jared Goff, but it's Jared Goff who has played well over the last year and a half. Actually, He's one not th- Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, one thing I will say, Brian, actually, just kind of one of my huge takeaways from that game was uh, just the fact that like, Jared Goff, yeah, he didn't have the best day at the start. You know, there was some, I mean, whether you blame him or not for the interceptions, because it was uh, one of them, I think, was tipped, and there was another one where there maybe could have been a call uh, where there wasn't one. Um, but what I would say the positive side is the guy's poise, because it's like, you know, you've went from Jared Goff in the past when he was with the Rams, where he was getting, like, remember there's all the stuff about the micromanagement where he was getting, like, last-minute mm-hmm. transmissions, like, right before this, like, right up until the snap. And you just saw the guy become like a, a worried shell where he didn't yeah. know what to do. And now the Lions seem to just let him go kind of thing. And it's really it's really showing in his confidence. And for him to be able to go into that last quarter, even with the whether they're his fault or not, the picks or kind of the you know, interceptions, the whatever happened earlier in the game, he was still able to kind of take the lines and do those quick strike, you know, seventy five yard marching up the field. Kind of thing, possessions to get them the couple of scores they needed to, you know, go ahead. Kind of thing in the end. So, to me, I just you know, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the league. Like you were mentioning there, he's not. You know, you said it too. He's not Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson. Um, he's, <laughs> but he's he's Kenoff, as they say from the Barbie movie, or he Guff. I guess <laughs> Guff, I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, do you know. <laughs> 
And this is something that I've literally just seen. Right, so something has just popped across my um, my mailbox at the minute. So, uh, Chicago Bears fans out there that are listening in, guys, um, I would like you just to just to note the confidence with which your head coach holds himself. As during the presser, one of the quotes that's actually came out from Iberflus, uh about. <laughs> about some of the play calls in the game that, that were really successful. <laughs> it was good calling by the by the whoever the defensive co- coordinator was, and that was, that would be me. But there's nothing like a little bit of buying into you. Missing <laughs> by the three wins. Jesus, he is not Andy Reid. Um, but he likes to think he is, evidently. Uh, <laughs> well... Um, you know, it's funny. I'm somebody that with sports, I always get really annoyed when uh, coaches and players come up and they give like safe interviews. But oh yeah, you know, we need to respect their opponents. You know, everything in this, t- everything in this league's a solid team. Uh, you know, you've got to respect them all. Oh, hard fought game. You know, oh, I, I need to take ownership of that mistake. That's on me. All of this safe chat, and I want more of this. But this is what chatting like that gets you mocked on internet podcasts. <laughs> it's good lord, <laughs> good lord, Matt. Not, it's not what we do. <laughs> it's not what we do. You share that praise. You share it out. You don't hold it for yourself, sir. Right. Stu, you actually set me up with a beautiful link that because I seen something about Matt Eberflus, I, I, I missed and I, I left. So I'm pulling it back uh, oh. to let's let Russ cook. And it was all about Russ cooking. And to be fair, is it outrageous for me to say that this is, we're witnessing the revival of Russell Wilson. You were having a look at the Vikes Broncos for us, mate. What were what were your, your big takeaways for, for that game? Well, yeah, I mean, I watched the game kind of thing and amongst also trying to watch the Grey Cup at the same time. Um, and, like, honestly, going into it, it's one of those things where you've got two teams, like, sitting, obviously, the Vikings are what they are. They're riding that dob. Like, Cousins goes down, they're riding the dobs wave. Um, it's kind of pretty much feel good time there, even though there are injuries and things starting to mount. The Broncos at the other side, they started the season terribly, and we're all going, Oh no, they're looking exactly like they did last year. There's no hope. They're cratering this move for Wilson a couple of years ago. Has you know, even though they were bad to start with, it's ruined them. Now they've got Sean Payton, in, and like, you know, is he going to be able to kind of do a job with them? Um, doesn't look like it's working, even with him, even though he's a world-renowned quarterback whisperer. And, you know, Russell Wilson can't be what he is. And then it started to turn around about a month ago, and all of a sudden you started seeing glimmers of the Russell Wilson that we used to see in the past. Like, where, you know, maybe he's not so much, maybe not quite as dynamic. Um, and, you know, whether that's down to Pete Carroll not being there or not, or the Broncos not quite having the same defence that the Seahawks did. But he's still starting to look pretty good. So then you go into the game last night and, you know, you've got both two teams that, on paper, I would have said the Vikings should win. But I did have in the back of my brain, I'm sitting going, this is this is going to be a lot closer than people think. And I will not be surprised because the Broncos are at home just to see them, you know, I could see them walking out with a win. And sure enough, like the Broncos, they basically just weren't able to hang in there with the Vikings for the entire game. And when I say hang in there, I mean, they actually kind of outplayed them. And really, mm-hmm. it was defence was the thing that was keeping them in it. And then towards the end of the game, Russell Wilson just suddenly went, you know what, I'm going to do my Russell Wilson thing and I'm just going to kind of lead us down the field. 
And, you know, he did it in kind of little little chunks here and there. Um, who actually stepped up big for them was uh, ex-Bengal, the man JP Ryan. Because, like, you know, throughout a game, because I, I think I had here, it's like, by the end of the game, yeah, the Broncos, they only finished with 46 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Which is nothing. Again, it shows you, it's like all their offense was coming through Russell, like, chucking it through the air. So even with Pirine up until the end, it's like, yeah, in, the la- in that last kind of drive, he had like, what, seven-yard run. Um, there was another six-yard run later. He had another run that ended with the ball getting knocked out in a fumble, but the Vikings couldn't get a hold of the ball, and I think it squeezed out. It went off the side of the pitch, so it ended up still being a Broncos ball. And then, so we keep going, but where he was actually making his hay, it was 10-yard uh, 10 catch, 17-yard catch, another seven-yard seven catch and run. So it was basically it was the RPO stuff. And that's yeah. what Russell does really well because it's like the guy's able to move around in the pocket and keep it alive enough to go, you know what, I'm going to just dump off to the side or oh, there's Sutton or there's Judy as well. So, um, yeah, like hats off to the Broncos. There was a lot of creative play calling as well because I think there was one for um, a great jet sweep for Jerry Judy as well, where he got a massive first down, like on the side, they flipped it out to him and he just caught the edge. And I think he got one block out there and he was off to the races kind of thing. So it's, they looked good uh, for the Vikings. Up until that end though, um, as much as I'm saying the defence kind of kept them in the game, I thought they were doing enough actually to take, you know, as much as I knew the Broncos were hanging in, because I mean, they're rushing, they're 175 in total. Going back to your possession chat, Brian, Vikings, mm-hmm. 34 minutes, 58 seconds. Yeah. The more than half the game they were doing for an away game, like, you know, a road game. Yeah. NFL. At mile high. If they were following, you know, following the, the plan to a tee, like rushing the ball, kind of keeping, keeping it running the clock, kind of getting, moving the ball up the field. Dobbs played pretty well. Like, I mean, he was looking good. He looked mobile. Uh, Madison, like he had 81 yards, like out of that 100, uh, 175. And I think until the end, Again, it's like I thought Dobbs might be able to kind of bring it up, but the Broncos' defence, just in that last quarter, they suddenly just ramped up the pressure and just went, you know what, we're, we're rushing everybody every single time. And that seemed to be enough to throw Dobbs off his game. But it, it was an exciting exciting game kind of thing. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a, a good statement game from the Broncos to say, you know what, we might we might not be all the way there, but we're, we're coming back. And uh, that's what, four wins in a row now? Yeah. They've got. They just broke the the league's win streak. But sorry, the league's top win streak. They just broke because the Vikes were on a five. They were five. Yeah. Uh, and now the the Broncos have got the longest active win streak in the league. Um. So, so tell me the other question for yourself, Gavin. This one, right? So Stu's Stu's kind of led me into it. So when you say that you've got a team that posts ninety fewer yards in offense loses the turnover battle, has six fewer first downs, and has nearly 10 minutes less time in possession, but still comes away with a win. Is that is that just a, a sign of the, the mental aspect to the game, that kind of mental toughness, well-coached, well-drilled, always staying it right to the last minute? Or, or is it just fortune that, that gets you that and statistically you should be losing that game yeah I mean I, I guess for me the, 
the big thing that jumps out is is leadership. So when you talk about the, I guess the characters that are in in the setup at the Broncos now, so you've got Sean Payton, someone who not not just a, a quarterback whisper whisper, but a proven winner. Again, Russell Wilson under centre. Yes, he hasn't had the easiest transition to uh, to mile high, but um, again, you know he has that track record of winning uh, and and really even putting at times putting teams on his back uh, in Seattle. Um, and I think um, now you're just, I guess, starting to see that momentum shift. You know, things just start to snowball a bit. So, yeah, okay, maybe they're not um, not dominating everything in the stat sheet, but that's now four games in a row. And when, you know, good, you know, good, good form and, and, and at times good luck, you know, kind of creates its, its own momentum there. And I think the big thing we've got to remember here is, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's also the teams that the, the Broncos are beating as well. Because I, I guess, you know, sometimes you think, oh, well, they've got this team, you know, they're, they're bouncing back, they're, they're 500. Um, but then you, you look at the, the teams and where they're actually picking up the, the wins. But on the, the this streak, I mean, okay, fair enough. It started with the, the Packers who, they're not, they're not awful, but they're not a great team. But then since then, they've gone. You know, Kansas City is the, the obvious team to, to mm-hmm. pick up there. But again, the, you know, they've, they've hit off the, the, the Bills, who are maybe not the team that they once were, but certainly uh, still a, a solid outfit. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, we, we had this weekend's game, um, and with it, the Vikings, who again had a slow start, but I think everyone would say that you know that's a that's a team that has uh, kind of overcome its own slow start, it has even overcome the, the loss of Kirk Cousins with with Dobbs, um, and you know I would certainly pick the, the Vikings to to win uh, yesterday going into the game. Um, I think we've got to say that you know the Denver. I've been looking at the schedule up ahead; it's a mixed bag. Um, but I, I think they will be a dangerous team down the stretch. Um, I think they're probably going to be, I think they'll probably see themselves through to either side of 500. But I, I, I think they'll probably be outside the playoffs. But I, I think most Broncos fans would say an 8 and 9 season would be pretty good from where they've, they've come from. I'm, I'm going to say if the Broncos make the playoffs, they are most teams' worst nightmare in the first round of the playoffs. Broncos are not going to get... They're not going to win a divisional game. They're not going to win a conference. But they can absolutely beat somebody in the wild card round. Can absolutely be that banana skin. Um, and do you know what I will say, gentlemen? The, hearing you both say that, you know, you would look at this game prepping for it. Uh, you know, you would pick the Vikings to win it. Um, this is why I am the top of the Cruise Predictor League because I did pick the Broncos to win this game. So I got it right round both of you. Um, I forgot to so again. Great. And I'm not even joint top, I'm top on mine. Um, so t- <laughs> tell you what, Stu, one, I'll kick back to you in this because you kind of alluded to it. Is one of the big things that we are seeing with this Denver Broncos team, and I'm thinking back to last season and all of the memes. And all of the fun we had with, you know, Broncos country, let's ride. There's been no noise. There has been none of it. Russell Wilson, I don't even know if Russell Wilson's done a presser, let alone any of the ridiculousness that's came out of it. Is is this the influence from the coaching side? Well, no, 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 guys, we're a serious team. We don't do any of that nonsense. We're here to play ball. 
And is this the benefit we're seeing of it? I think, yeah. I mean, I think that does have a large part to do with it, like, or, or do with it. Like, the the circus has left town, is maybe what I would say, because it, and what's happening is the players are able to concentrate on being players, and they're not getting distracted, or kind of, there's no finger-pointing or anything going on, because I feel like that's what ended up going on last year as well, was when they would lose games, and Russell Wilson's trying to defend himself, and but then kind of maybe says something that makes it sound like he's having a go at a coach or a player or whoever. It becomes big news, because he's kind of a kind of a big deal around those parts and all that as much as we all like to make fun of them so um yeah no i think that's definitely part of it i think as well what they're seeing is like veteran leadership like uh guys like jackson that mm-hmm. i think yeah i don't know if, you know don't know if you saw much of it brian but like he had a huge huge game and i think i'm pretty sure it was him that uh he had a few kind of a few big plays to stop the Vikes kind of thing, and then I'm sure they were sticking him on Hawkinson in that last drive when the Vikings were going for it to stay in the game, and twice because I obviously pay a lot of attention to Hawkinson because I have him. <laughs> yes, you do. So uh, <laughs> I was watching as the ball would go to him. I'm like, oh, he's got it in his hands, and he would just get absolutely nailed. And then it was you know incomplete pass kind of thing, and I think it was Jackson both times. So it's you know he's going out there and he's going after the stars, and even though he's in his thirties, it's like he's doing a good job. Um, Certain. Looks good, although he took a kind of stupid flag at one point as well, that it was, you know, definitely kind of DPI. Got his hands, like, around somebody's helmet kind of thing and pulled on him. But, yeah, I think what you're seeing is a lot of the stars, they're all buying in. Because, I mean, even, like, I know we always like to joke about wide receivers, loving a, to be a bit kind of beaky, I guess. Um, and I feel like I'm hearing less from Jerry Judy as the season goes on. And yeah. since he started winning games, we're not seeing him making funny, you know, making comments about other teams or kind of anything like that. It's like he just seems to seems to be quiet now. And maybe a word has been had with him too, because it seems like him and Sutton are now getting on and they're on the same page and neither was traded. So all is well in Denver. Yeah. Well, it's like they say, easiest way to keep the media off your back because God knows Denver's had them on their back is just win Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay. Thank you very much. That's right. It's time to put the week in the rear view. Um, so we have had, it, it seems a bit, it feels a bit cheap calling it putting the week in the rear view when we've still got Monday Night Football to go. Uh, but we're going to put the rest of the week in the rear view. Um, so we're going to, as we as we like to do, uh, the rest in one, we're going to go down the list of the games. What were some of your big points? What were some of your big observations? Um, and Stu, Stu, it's that time. Because we're going to open with you, Stu. Not actually, sorry, I'm, I'm being okay. Stuart. Yep. We're going to over. I mean, it's not Stuart right now. It's Stuart. <sighs> it was Bengals at Ravens. It was Thursday night football. It, it was Ravens 34, Bengals 20. That's not the story, Stuart, is it? It's not the story at all. Um, it's the. Obviously, what you're referring to here, I mentioned briefly at the start of the show. Yeah, Joe Burrow's injury. Um, it's it's sad. I, th- I think the worst thing about it is maybe not the worst thing because we scored, but the worst thing about it is it happened on a touchdown pass as well, kind of thing. So it's just it's it's that ultimate kind of what could have been or what we could have kind of thing moving forward. That's you know the guy making that play the the last second whilst taking the tackle gets the ball out of his hand 
and the way he lands, you saw the risk going down and everything. So, yeah, Joe Burrow's out for the rest of the season. So I think we're probably, we're already sitting bottom in the division. We had been for the entire year anyway. I think we might be dead and buried. Um, I, you know, I wish Jake Browning all the best, but uh, I'm the, I think the cards are stacked against us. Kind of thing moving forward, and the Ravens look good. Like that is that thing of um, they're a good team. They're well coached, uh, and Lamar is looking like the the best of Lamar. Kind of thing. So it's no no shame in losing. Even if we'd lost by a healthy Burrow, like I don't think I really could have complained. All that much, can I say? I, mean, I would, I would complain clearly. <laughs> so you would absolutely have found a way to complain. It's uh, not a good team, kind of thing. But you know, in the end, it's just it was just sad. That's sort of like. <laughs> do you? Uh, this is one, and I, I know normally I try and keep this brief, but I do need to bring this up. Do we think the Bengals are like the, the Bengals? I don't know if it would be the medical team, the coaching team, somebody in the background. Do we think that there was maybe a wee bit where they were at it? Because obviously Burrow wasn't on the injury report heading into that game. But it was all over social media that he did appear and that was it was a video, wasn't it? And he had some form of, of cast of wrist support on that like what, what was it a fancy glove? was he going into that game hurt? And then we, we all know what happened now, obviously. But it really raises some serious questions, doesn't it? I mean, just to, to answer, or just to kind of speak about that briefly, um, I don't... It's one of those weird things where it seemed odd that the video got deleted, but at the same time, if he did have an injury, I don't know why they wouldn't just say... But then also the other side of it is how many other teams have players every single week that they maybe don't even bother putting on the injury designation because it's like a, you know, maybe Buddy was just told them, ah, I feel like I've got a bit of carpal tunnel. No, right, okay, like, no reason to mention it. You know, I was using my computer too much last night and my wrist was slightly sore. Me, me and Kyle are on COD. <laughs> yeah, I need Kyle are playing COD. <laughs> we're playing zombies or whatever. So, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I do feel... I mean, we'll see what happens once the investigation actually, whether it mm -hmm. happens or not. One, if it happens or not. Two, what the result of it is. But it does feel like this is one of those, the league is out to get is because we're Bengals situations, like, because we're a smaller team. Because, I, again, I would say, like, how many teams have had injured players or that are maybe carrying a slight knock that go into a game and then end up injured? Because, I mean, you can't tell me that, like, for instance, Aaron Rodgers... I know because I've kind of had a screwed up Achilles before and luckily mine never snapped in the end like because I caught it early enough but I was having a lot of pain and at first I thought it was just muscle stuff and then the physio and they're like no you've actually got like issues here kind of thing and you're going to end in snapping this if you don't correct them so I don't know it's one of those things where he wasn't appearing on the injury report for that and but you just think you know same, it's like you're getting older like sometimes you're a bit sore after exercise no pain no gain like, well, I don't know about that way, but I do know that if you can catch your own Achilles, that's not good. Um, <laughs> that shouldn't be catchable. Um, unless you're exceptionally flexible, which I wouldn't put past you, mate. Uh, right, we're going to move on. I'm going to let you go. It's over, mate. You don't need to talk about it anymore. Um, Gav, we're coming to you now from, from one team in your beloved G-Men. I'm shocked to report has a victory Monday to another team with a shocking victory Monday. It was the Chargers at Green Bay. Uh, so well, I'm trying to remember that one. Finished uh, 23 to Green Bay, 20 Chargers. Yeah, 
What was your, what was your, your big one-line takeaway for the game? Ah, well, I guess you've got the love to see me through. Uh, I think Wait. the Packers had a real uh, a real youth movement in the goal of uh, 243 yards and a touchdown uh, from the, the rookies. A huge contribution uh, across Jaden Reed, uh, Dentavian Wicks, Kraft and Musgrave at, at tight ends. So, yeah, um, love's got a, a few young targets uh, keep things moving for, for Green Bay. Yeah, young love, eh? Uh, it's... <laughs> well, to be fair, is this really just a case of the Chargers finding yet another creative way to lose a game? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but that's less punchy as a headline. Oh, no, but I like this like <laughs> uh, Right, okay. Uh, one for me. Um, the, the Dolphins, uh, well, Raiders at Dolphins. Dolphins winning that one 20 13. Um, we hear lots about one handed catches making the news, but they've got a one handed receiver. Uh, who somehow still put up 146 yards in a day. Tyreek legitimately terrifies me. Like, he is setting an alarming amount of records. Like, I remember how excited we were two seasons ago about yeah. Cooper Cup when he went when he pulled the Triple Crown out. Tyreek is making even that year's Cooper Cup look thoroughly pedestrian. And it's, it's actually scary how good he is at that position. Um, right, moving on. Oh, this I feel bad having anyone talk about this game because it kind of just it's like it's a wee bit like kicking a puppy. Um, Stu, Cowboys at Panthers. To be fair, if the Panthers did manage 10 points, uh, the Cowboys managed 33. Uh, so what was, what was your takeaway? I mean, it's just the, the Cowboys defense being the Cowboys defense and just kind of rumbling along and. I mean, Micah Parsons, what was it, two and a half sacks, uh, like 10 pressures or something like that as well. So it was just Parsons, like, staking a claim to say, no, I, I want to be in that, like, defensive player of your conversation, please. It's mm. not just Garrett's or TJ Watts to to win at this point kind of thing. So that that the Panthers will build and go from where they are, and we all know what they are this season kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, the Cowboys' day. Yeah, you're telling me it was the Cowboys. As I actually just went and checked, is this week in fantasy, ladies and gents, I am playing the Cowboys DST and the 23 points that they put up. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, your league scoring will vary, but in our leagues, in our league, 23 points is alarming to be playing a DST that puts that up. Oh, what can? Sorry, I'm still in post to win that game. Run you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that that Dan really really needs Rashi Rice to have that breakout game. Uh, but we'll wait and see. Uh, okay, uh, Gav, it, it's time. It's that moment. This is it. Enjoy it. Savor it. As a Browns fan, I feel good getting to give somebody yeah. this because it doesn't happen often to me either. It feels. <laughs> it was Giants at Commanders, thirty-one to nineteen. Your beloved G-Men, mate. You don't need to limit yourself to one line. Enjoy your moment in the sun. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll be honest, I, I was one of these fans, and for, forgive me for this, that was starting to, to buy into the, the tank. So uh, I, I guess Tommy's uh, Tommy's treble tanked the tank uh, <laughs> somewhat uh, this weekend. You tanked for Tommy. But, but uh, yeah, um, I think, I guess the story here is, um, you know, six turnovers, uh, whether you want to put that on the, the skins or the, the, the Giants D, and probably a bit of both, but... Um, you know, certainly that that made a huge difference. Um, certainly, the, the 
wasn't playing sailing for the, the Giants. It really is, even when they do win, uh, they took nine sacks uh, along the way. But I guess, uh, you know, when you think about, you know, avoiding these negative plays, that that probably is the, the difference that, yeah, I mean, you don't want to see your quarterback getting hit. But um, DeVito, you know, we talk about the fact you get three touchdowns and quite a nice stat line overall. Key thing there is no interceptions. Didn't, you know, kept, kept that ball safe, uh, which certainly wasn't the case in the, the Washington side. I just love it you're having your day in the sun, mate. G-Men have been the absolute <laughs> league weapon boy for weeks now. And do you know the thing is, I actually feel bad for the G-Men because like, you think about some years like when it's the Texans in the, like, the, the last couple of years and they've been getting they've been the league weapon boy. They've had all the starters. They've just been terrible. You've had really, really horrible injuries at pretty critical positions. <laughs> it's just been really unlucky. Uh, but hey, it's a tough old game. Uh, right. Moving on, uh, one, one for me, Titans and Jags. Um, Tilo's back. Tilo is back. He is here. He put up, what, 262 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he rushed for a whopping 17 yards as well, letting that letting that glorious blonde mane of his flow in the wind. Um, it, it was against the Titans, who are led by the, the, the glorious Will Levis. But yeah, again, another one when we see it's not a big shock. If you can limit Derek Henry, the Titans are pumped. And they've got very little else to offer you. Uh so yeah, it was once we once the, the Jags figured out how to stop Henry in the ground, it was sadly all too predictable. Uh right, we're getting near the end, guys. Uh cards at Texans, Stu. What was your, your big takeaway for this one? I actually, interestingly enough, I was gonna go be in here saying like, oh. Loud and proud, Stroud keeps rolling on, but he was, he was actually a little kind of uncharacteristically sloppy with the ball. He was. And as yep. well. So are we starting to see defences figure out CJ Stroud? That's maybe one of my takeaways. The other one is uh, Kyler Murray looked pretty pretty decent. I know I was trying to have a go at you in the chat, Brian, because I even tried to pump <laughs> him um, in our fantasy league, but the uh, Kyler Murray looked looked pretty decent, which tying it all the way back to our chat earlier on about the, the yep. draft picks going into this year. If I'm Arizona, I think, you know, you've committed to him money-wise anyway. And yeah. Keep him healthy. Why not roll with Kyler Murray? Because you know he can do it at the NFL level. Uh, whereas Caleb Williams, a guy coming in, sure he might be the next megastar. You don't know, but yeah, quarterback play was my takeaway from that yeah. game. Yeah, and we're going to talk a wee bit about uh, some very specific bits of quarterback play from that game uh, in a couple of minutes. Uh, Gav, one for you. Oh, this this made me sad, this game. Um, Bucks at Niners, 14-27. Niners, walk away with the win in that one. What was your, your big takeaway? Oh, I know you want to be sad for one quarterback, but I think we could be happy for another one. It was a pretty perfect day. Uh, yeah. That 158.3 rating for uh, for Brock. And uh, I mean, just that stat line, 21 to 25, uh, 333 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he's had a bit of a, a bumpy kind of middle section to the, the season so far, but I think uh, the 49ers bandwagon's well and truly back in track. Yeah, first time the Niners have had a perfect quarterback since 1989. I was three. Um, so, yeah, it's a good one for them. It does look like they're back rolling. Uh, one for me, Jets at Bills. I don't care that it was the Jets. Stuff he's all. I am an absolute... I don't know why I'm such a Bills truther. I've got no stake in the Bills. Uh, but I am a Bills truther. 
Josh Allen. No, I know why I'm a Bills truther. I have shares of Josh Allen and about six fantasy leagues. Um, Josh Allen is back. He he might have still chucked up yet another pick. Uh, that's him on 12 for the year. But he did put up three touchdowns as well, which tends to soften the blow slightly. Uh, yeah, Josh Allen is back. I don't care if it was the Jets. That defense is legit. So putting up points on them is nothing to be sniffed at. Uh, and rounding us off to our last one, it was the Seahawks at the Rams. It was Rams won it by a point, seventeen to sixteen. What was your big your big takeaway? Cooper Cup going down again. So and which seems to be something that's quite common for him now. Uh, Cooper Cup is he starting to is this the the slide into the the injury the injury land of the thirties? Is that happening to him? Um, but no, I, yeah, that was one takeaway from it. The other side is just ramming it down. It's kind of, it was like, apart from Hufanga being injured, this is good for the Niners because, you know, the Seahawks seem to be hanging around a bit and they're, they were a bit closer in their middle than they wanted them to be. And now with uh, them losing that game, it's going to drop them a slightly further back behind the Niners. So it should make the, the course to the division title slightly easier. Yeah, it's an interesting one. They, the, the Seahawks kind of needed that win. They kind of needed that bad. Right, okay, guys. Um, thanks very much. So we are going to move on. We've got one, we've got two, two more bits that we're going to look at today. Uh, well, we're going to keep this one nice and to the point. Um, now I don't know if you've ever seen any of those like, NFL team tier generators that you get. And it's you've always been a juggernaut. Super Bowl bubble. Well, the one bit on there that always catches my eye because I enjoy it is fun and frisky. So, what we're going to do, we're going to rattle our way down through the divisions. And I, I, listen, I, I'm no too fast that in the AFC West, the Chiefs are seven and two, and they're a lock for that. That's fine. That's, that's boring. What I want to know is in each of the divisions, who do you think is fun and frisky? Who's got the chance to be that team <laughs> that just appeals? And all of a sudden, it's going to be January, and we're going to be talking about this team that nobody's seen coming. So, we'll start off up at the top because there's potential for a couple of teams to be fun and frisky here. Starting at the AFC East, obviously, Dolphins are sitting pretty at 7-3. and three. Yeah, well, as long as they don't have too bad enough of a run-in, they should probably be fine. Do we see the Bills, the Jets? Oh, I can't even say it with a straight face. I can't even say it, Mike Jones. <laughs> as fun and frisky. Uh, any of these teams you think are interested going into the, the rest of the year into the off season? Well, do you know what I'm going to call? It? I, I think that the um, the, the Bills the season's not panned out the way that they would expect. But uh, I think much like the, the the man under center Josh Allen in fantasy, I, I think that they have a they have a high floor. Do the Bills? Um, and uh, you talked about the the Broncos already. I guess that's a team that you wouldn't necessarily want to play in in the wild card round. So I'll go with Buffalo. Well, yeah. well what were you saying? Any of them jump out is, is, is a bit fun, a bit bit something interesting. I mean, it's one of those things where the Jets they've just benched Wilson. Alan Rogers says he'll be back. He'll be back, but they're four and six right now, so it might be too late. Even if he does come back. Um, the Bills, I can't judge because every single time I say they're dead, they win. <laughs> and then every time I'm like, they're back. <laughs> and they're they, looking, lose. they lose. <laughs> so just whatever I say on the Bills, the, the opposite will happen. So I'm going to say nothing. So maybe they'll 
one and one the rest of the way, like win lose win lose the rest of the way, kind of thing. But right. yeah, they're the obvious division <laughs> you know, that could be frisky. <laughs> okay, right. I'm gonna keep us. I'm gonna keep us on like that pace, chaps. So uh, AFC West, right? Then the Chiefs. I'm not talking about Chiefs stuff. Uh, that's nothing. It's nearly as bad as having to give praise to the Ravens. Um, right, Broncos, Raiders. Broncos. Do, do, do we have fun in even to be fair, Chargers? They're only at four and six. It's not a fair amount of season to play. The Broncos I have is, I mean, we we talked about them at great length earlier on. Like I, they're a team that I could see, especially going with a run in. They could definitely go ten and seven. Um, I mean, they could go eight and nine. No, like like Gav says, or seven and ten. Like you know, it's all it's all possible. But they could go ten and seven and make the playoffs. I'm not saying they will, but I like them as fun and frisky because it's kind of nice to to see Denver get something nice for once because I've been kind of yeah since my. Let's, ha- let's let Denver have nice things. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Gav? Do you like any of them? It'll be fun and frisky going for the rest of the year. Ah, yeah, I, I think the Denver's definitely the, I guess, the surprise package. I'm, I'm sorry, but the, the Chargers, I, I, I want to like them. I have a um, huge appreciation for uh, Justin Herbert's arm, uh, but unfortunately, I think the rest of that whole Chargers package doesn't, doesn't add up anymore. Well, the coach is right. The coach is getting some questions in the press conference today, and we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I am going to actually completely skip the AFC North um, because I, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to call any of us fun and frisky because it's an absolute... Yours are not it's, fun and frisky. It's, like it's, it's carnage. The entire division is just carnage. Um, so I'm going to keep moving. Uh, going to keep moving to, 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 a, to a division that won't bring me and Stu quite so much pain. Uh, AFC South... Uh, I would, you know, I was about to kind of say the Jags put the Jags in the same bucket as the Chiefs are seven and three, but the Texans are right behind them at six and four. Yeah. Only one game in that, and then you've got yeah, Colts. Okay, yes, the Titans are hoofed, um, but the Colts are there at five and five as well. Who do you have as your, your most fun and frisky team in the in the South? <sighs> what do we think? Any See, any I, of them jump out? Is he, uh, do I, we have anybody I, who I, believes I, in Minshew mania? I, I just well, I I, I kind of want to say the Colts, if only because the Texans just feels too obvious. Like for, I think for the whole thing, like that's that's a team that's hovering in second. But actually, I I, I actually think they might pass the Jags now, um, going into the playoffs. Not I, I can't see them making it a, a deep run, but I actually think they could uh, could host a game in the playoffs yeah. now. I I would love to see Minshew in the playoffs. So uh, I'm going all in on Minshew Mania. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor being back and doing his Russian thing. It's like I, I think the Colts could could be problematic. There are so many members of the crew who love Minshew because what, how can you not love Minshew? Um, right. In the same token that I skipped over the AFC North because it's just an absolute cluster file that's tearing itself apart of a division. I'm skipping the NFC East because let's not kid ourselves on here. It's the Eagles <laughs> and it's the Jets and uh, Eagles, sorry, and the Cowboys and the rest is in fire. Uh, none of that is fun and frisky for anybody except <laughs> fantasy owners of Sam Howell. We're all enjoying a bit of Sam Howell. Um, and I, I'm sorry, as much as I did enjoy to, the, the Mr. DeVito, Mr. DeVito picking up his win. Um, Gav, if you really want to claim the G men are fun and frisky for the rest of the year, <laughs> I think that's a, that's, a, that's a bit of a step. Um, no, I'm not going to sell that one. <laughs> N- NFC, uh, NF- uh, sorry, NFC West. Uh, Niners have looked fallible. Strong, strong start to the season. Set but seven and three right now. Seahawks are six and four. Rams are four and six, but Stafford's back. 
is Daffy's back. Cup's not there, but they've got Puka. Do we think any of these teams have got the, the chance to be fun and frisky? Cards for Kyla? Two and nine? The greatest think, ever comeback recorded in NFL uh, history? I feel like they're they're all going to start falling off a bit. Even the Seahawks. Sorry, Keith. Um, I just... I've kind of looked at the way the Seahawks have played like ever since when they played us. And Gino has just not looked like Magic Gino from last year. And now he's been hurt. And Kenneth Walker's down injured um, as well. So I know he's missing time. So that means Charbonnet's been elevated. Charbonnet's been decent, but... Okay. I, rookie well, back, like a yeah, I don't know if it can... <laughs> he's on it like a shard bonnet but... <laughs> I've been sat in that line for weeks <laughs> I don't know if he can add loads to get them to the playoffs especially in, you know if they're going to have to go up against teams like because uh, they play the Niners again I think don't they right at the end of the season yeah. uh, it's in Seattle though I think so yes. um, that's going to be a tough one but no I'd... if anything I maybe I know they won the Super Bowl recently. It would be quite nice to see the Rams go, though, because you're right, Stafford's back and Williams is coming back this week as well. So Yeah, Kyron's back. Right, second last one. Um, Got to keep going. Uh, NFC North, Lions are running away with it, but we've got such a mixed packet, and I think this actually, do you know what? I'm going to put my, my neck out here. I'm going to say this division is actually the definition of fun and frisky because the Vikes, the Packers, and the Bears... Of all get elements of it. Gav, what would you where would you go? Who is your, your big team there that really jumps out as a bit of fun and a bit frisky and could really do a lot of strange things? Yeah, I, well actually I, I think I'm gonna say that the Bears, I, mean, I think we actually saw I, I think we actually saw last night, you know, the Bears they might not win, they might not actually win the game, but they're gonna make things a bit fun and frisky. Um and certainly you know, made life hard for the, the Lions. I, I think they'll um They'll make life tough for a few other teams uh, going down the, the stretch as well. Um, they could also very well be anchored to the bottom uh, of that division come season's end, but um, I think they'll be pretty entertaining along the way. Hilarious range of outcomes, the Bears. It's one of the things I love most about them. They could go anywhere from winning this, winning the league, winning the rest of the year out to losing the year out, and nobody would be surprised all that much at either. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, right, Stu, um, because you are a Bengals fan and you are made to suffer, uh, the NFC South. Uh, <laughs> explain. <laughs> explain, yeah. Justify. Justify. Um, okay. Who can be Why fun? Do any of these teams get a playoff there? Who can be fun and frisky from this? I mean... Tampa Bay, <laughs> like the one. Is it, oh, is it only answer? It's like they are <laughs> It's kind of like last year where they could, you know, basically just sneak their way into the playoffs, and the hope there is that Tom Brady would take them to the promised land again. But yeah, the rest of it, like I don't know, like Carolina. I said it earlier when they played the Cowboys. They're a building team. Um, they're not going to be fun and frisky for the rest of this year. They'd be better just phoning it in. Atlanta, again, they have some really good pieces. But they're not there. Alpha Smith doesn't know how to use. They need, yeah, they need a quarterback, and you're right. They're doing with their defense looks pretty good. Like I'll give them that. And God, who's left? The Saints. The Saints. <laughs> the division leading Saints. The division yeah, leading I, Saints. Leading I, the division at five and five. I find them so beige. Like they're just <laughs> not. They're kind of. 
it's like a kind of soggy blancmange, like the Saints this year. <laughs> used to be all like New Orleans jazz music and like you know the Saints are marching in and they're just kind of shuffling around at the back of the party, like, even though they're winning the division. It's just <laughs> I don't it's know. Just like, yeah, the the it's division like... the division is not good. Um, the Bucks are the only one I would say are fun and frisky, and yeah. I, I doubt they make the playoffs. The Saints are to football. <laughs> oh no, I can't. I'm sorry. They're so awful. The whole division's a tire fire. It should just be bin. This is this is where this international franchise comes in. This is how my international division works. We bin the NFC South and we replace it with four international teams. Right. Okay. Our final. <laughs> sorry, I just can't go over how bad the NFC South is. Um, right, our final bit at the moment, guys. He's got one shout each for uh, for each of these. I've got my own. Um, we have got our, our nominees for Cruise Missile of the Week and who we think is the week's crushing player. Who crushed it? What have you got? And Stu, I'm even going to give you a Canadian, a special Canadian exemption here that you can go CFL for your Cruise Missile should you wish. That's why I so rudely interrupted you earlier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Gav, because I know we're has gone with us, and I suspect we're has gone with us. <laughs> what would you, your cruise missile of the week be? What was your big pass that you just looked at and you were like, damn, that's good? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with um, Goff's uh, touchdown throw to, to Jameson Williams. Uh, the start, starting the comeback uh, on Sunday night against the, the Bears, that was, uh, that was a, a nice one. Jameson Williams was alarmingly open. Frequently during that game, but that's another conversation. Uh, Stu, what were you go for it? Do you want to take your moment? I'm going to be different. When Austin Mack in the, the Grey Cup final yesterday, he had an absolutely superb one handed catch to bring that giant beach ball that we use in the CFL <laughs> in one hand and like keep the drive going for the Montreal Alouettes kind of early in the game when people thought they were already out of it. So and then he went on and won, and he even caught a touchdown as well. Not on that play, but um, still, if you haven't seen it, I think I shared it on my Twitter. And, yeah, it's on, it's, it's on Twitter. It's on the cruise Twitter. Really shared it. Uh, one, well, so that's my, my nomination for my Canadian content this week. One one for me, I'm I'm going totally offbeat because the whole idea of the cruise missiles is meant to be some massive mega air yards pass that looks incredible, but frankly, screw that. I am going to go with the Titans, the much maligned Titans. Will Levis to Simmons, a big boy touchdown. Big boy TD, it was like a whole four yards. Uh, but still, I love a big boy touchdown. Bunker buster, Brian, is that what you're saying? That's my missile. Bunker buster, love it. Uh, right, okay, last, uh, last, uh, oh, sorry, our second last, actually. Stu is, of course, going to give us a statistic of the week. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not. Gab's going to give oh, us it. A- Oh. Oh uh, sorry, so sorry. Our, our second last bit before Gav gives us two sister week. Who is your player of the week? You had one player that you think. No, do you know what? You crushed it this week. Uh, Stu, who have you got? Who absolutely crushed it? Like, um, you know what? Again, because I was covering that game, uh, I'm going to say Russell Wilson. Going to say because he he was in there and he did what he did what he had to do in that last drive and. He did Russell Wilson things and that touchdown with Cortland Sutton at the end. He put the ball yes. up, his guy could get it, and you know he, made, he gave him the chance to go for it. And Sutton was like, "Got you, bro!" Jumps up there and just 
takes the ball away from the DB. And uh, I know it was Blackman as a uh, rookie, and you can say he's an injury cover and all that, but the guy's still a starter in the NFL, and he's looked good for the Vikings so far. But he even got his hand in on the arm, and he just he couldn't pull it down. So it was just like, nah, I'm holding this kind of thing. But the ball was put exactly where it needed to be. And so Russell Wilson, he's my he's my crushed it guy for the week. Love it. Gav, what about yourself? Who do you feel crushed it this week? Well, do you know, I mean, we, we talked about Pardina's perfect passer rating, but actually I'm going to uh, have, have uh, Stu go through one last uh, painful moment. Um, oh. OBJ. Uh, oh, Mr. no. Mr. Beckham, you know, this has just been really quiet uh, for, for much of the season. I was thinking. Uh, 117 yards off of four catches. Uh, he was doing some damage, and there's just there's a little feeling uh, for me there is is he just kind of getting to one more Super Bowl run like he did with the, the Rams? You know, oh, had, had a big uh, a big run of games down the, the stretch. Um, yeah, I, I've got to say, maybe maybe there's uh, others making the headlines, but that that stat line actually jumped out to me. Watch. Listen. As Gav says this, my current facial expression is the reason that you should watch on YouTube because, good God, I hate hearing anything nice said about that man. Uh, right, okay, Gav, I suppose I need to listen to all voices and Gav gets to say OBJ. Right, okay, for mine, I'm going for a homer pick. DTR, not for his stat line, not for that, but for his mental performance because he had a sucky second half. But He's a fifth-round rookie pick. It was his second start, and when he needed to step up, he did, and fundamentally, he led a game-winning drive. So, absolutely, and he led it through passing. The Browns did not just run that full final drive. So my crush out of the week is going to DTR. Right, Gav, I am handing over to you for our statistic of the week, and then that is us, sir. Uh, well, I guess celebrating every... Uh, Giants win like it could be their last because there's every chance it could be this season. <laughs> uh, so it, uh, obviously Tommy DeVito uh, is picking up the win at the weekend uh, like his mum picks up his laundry. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he uh, actually, uh, as much as he's uh, been a bit maligned uh, the last few weeks, he has uh, had the, the most statistically impressive start to his career of any Giants quarterback with the only one to record five touchdowns in his first two starts. So there you go. Pay the man. The <laughs> <laughs> best, best, uh, best G-man quarterback of all times. <laughs> yeah, in two games. <laughs> in two I'm games. Just... <laughs> Over a I'm just game. a man. Oh, I'm just imagining the G-men announcing like a five-year contract for him. <laughs> just paid in cutlets. Just paid in chicken cutlets. Hey, do you know what, Gav? Like he's all, he's almost caught up to because I think the, the Jets have only got nine total touchdowns on the year, so he's more than yeah. half catching the the New York Jets, and he's done it in two games. <laughs> uh, Tommy DeVee, King of New York. King of New York. <laughs> Oh, I loved it. <laughs> oh, you need to love it. It's such a great story. And, you know, when he grew up round the corner to the stadium, his boyhood team gets to start a quarterback and he's the most statistically impressive quarterback they've had in years. Oh, well. Right, okay. Thank you very much. Well, folks, that brings a review of all things Week 11 to a close. Now, remember, you can keep in touch with the crew 
on Twitter at GridironCrew, on Instagram, underscore iron underscore crew. Stick GridironCrew into threads, you'll find us there, and of course you'll find us wherever you get your podcasts from. Help grow the community, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow, all of that good stuff. Uh, well, we've got a clash of the titans to look forward to tonight to actually draw week 11 to the close as the Chiefs invite the Eagles to Arrowhead for a replay of the Super Bowl. That was my little nod to studs in his Arrowhead Invitational chat. Yep. Will Jalen lay down some hut and make it lucky to make up for last time, or will Andy have read his way to victory yet again? Well, can we all appreciate that, by the way? I put some serious <laughs> thought into those puns. <laughs> Your flowers are on the way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I try my best. Uh, right, well, remember, folks, uh, week 12 is coming up fast, and you can join the preview crew earlier than usual this week. You can catch them on Wednesday. Why are they on earlier than usual? Because we're going to be looking to have a special Thanksgiving crew on Thursday, and you can join us and you can share what you are thankful for then. <laughs> Until then, I have been Brian. It's been a pleasure to have you with me tonight. Stu, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Thanks so much for having me again. Um, that was that was good to be on. I haven't been on the review crew. Anymore. No, you've not been on in ages. It feels like months. I mean, it's probably only been like four weeks or something like that. But still, it's uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, and well, if Stu's not been here for ages, Gav, you're at the bad smell. We can't get rid of it. Uh, Gav, thank you yet again for joining us, and as always, your insight into all things G Men and all things NFL are always invaluable, mate. Thank you very much. Yep. Remember the smile. You might not see it for a while. <laughs> Again, there's another reason to watch on YouTube, folks. You actually get to see Gav look happy. Uh, so watch this one back. Right. Thank you very much, gents. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, we will catch you then. Bye.